Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Whoa, Rick, check this guy out. He's really, he's got a lot going on for him. Silence, Morty. So, hey, everybody, it is your good friend, Dr. David Proden from the North Star Recording Studio, where, believe it or not, it is 78 degrees with about 70% humidity. And, of course, down here in the studio, my assistant did not turn down the audio on the speakers. So that is one demerit point. But we do have the lights up and working today. And, you know, it always is better when the batteries are charged. So today, our guest is Morgan Rogue from Rogue Preparedness. Now, this is this is you know pretty fascinating stuff for the Safety Doc podcast because we talk about school safety, we talk about personal community safety. We're going to really get into personal and community safety at a time when we need to bring this to the forefront. I've been a fan of Morgan's work, her blog post, um, her YouTube videos, all of the content that she puts out. I feel um, it, it resonates, it, it finds a point of interest for the reader, uh, whether that that's me, whether it's somebody that's younger, somebody that's a parent, um, it, it has what I call this kind of easement property to it. Um, everybody who reads it takes something out of it that can relate to it. So, hey, a big thank you and a welcome to all of the people over in the chat and the people syndicated out of Los Angeles, California, the 405media.com coming on live with the show. Thank you so much. It is your good friend. Dr. David Prone. So, hey, Morgan. Morgan lives on 40 acres of land in the southern United States. So, um, with her husband, two daughters and two dogs, she is the owner and founder of Rogue Preparedness, a website dedicated to emergency preparedness and survival skills. Morgan has published extensively in crisis preparedness and response, including preparedness for busy people and prepare and survive economic crisis. That's a primer to help people understand bartering valuable items, you know, what's valuable, what holds value, and also controlling fear. She has an outstanding YouTube channel. I'll link all of that out when I do the blog post that corresponds to the show. Many of her episodes are 10 minutes or less, and they're very um, different, you know, different topics. So she recently had a show on how you could um, plant rice, you know, in outside of your house and in containers and soil, you know, put down and and the whole process is just fascinating stuff. Um, so she also addressed, you know, a very contemporary issue. What what does it mean for all of us when the police are being disbanded in Seattle? You know, and what is the history of policing? You know, and and just to have these these discussions, I really appreciate. It. So I I am going to cite um, some of Morgan's work in my upcoming book, The Velocity of Information, and I, I made this statement on on Twitter. I said. Her contributions to safety stand out as curated and calibrated with easements for people new to preparedness as well as experienced preppers. So enough about me and my intro. Morgan, welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. Thank you so much for, for having me. That was a really well, really good intro. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's a summary. I mean, there are so many things that you've done um, in, in the preparedness communities. So tell us about um, 
you know, what brought you to preparedness? Was there like this epiphany moment? Was it gradual? I think I read, you know, you've been been identifying yourself as someone um, really working in preparedness for about a decade. How did that all get started? So um, my story is not big or exciting or anything, uh, but it's, you know, I think anything that can wake somebody up, even if it's something so small, it is, is important. So mine, mine was um, <clears throat> oh, a little over 10 years ago, I uh, had moved to Texas. And in Texas, I guess, you know, when you just breathe wrong, the power goes out, right? <laughs> okay. And so, um, you know, the power goes out just a lot for a variety of reasons. It's very easy. Uh, and so um, <clears throat> the power, I had experienced my first power outage since moving there. And I was, uh, I was, my phone had like no charge on it at all. I had like this Blackberry or whatever. Sure. <laughs> uh, no charge on it. And like. I don't know who I thought I was. It was so important that like, well, who's going to call me? How am I going to text people? What am I going to do? But I was like, how am I going to keep my phone charged? Right. And uh, that really got me thinking. I'm like, there's got to be other ways to charge your phone or, or just alternative, you know, energies, you know, like at the time, solar um, was around, I believe, but still very expensive and almost inaccessible to, to the majority of people okay. just a little over 10 years ago, you know, I mean, solar has only become more accessible to people in the past several years, you know, more affordable and stuff anyway. And so, <clears throat> you know, those little camping solar panels, I don't know if they were around that much, but anyway, um, so yeah, that started getting me thinking and um, I didn't seriously really get into it until I met my husband about a year or so later. But, you know, I kind of had gone in and researched a little bit about how I could make that happen, charge my phone, <laughs> you know, in a blackout. So, so I'm going to take, I have um, right here, this is a, a, a charging brick. So uh -huh. I, I got this one. Um, Back in early March, <laughs> yeah, actually, it was one of the last things that got delivered on time by Amazon. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, this is this is as I call it. It looks like a flattened stick of dynamite. I don't. This would be hard to get through TSA. I'm pretty yeah. sure on that, but it works great because yeah, it. it um, and I actually got another one in blue this time, but uh, for the purpose, right? Because uh, what if the power goes out? Or I thought, what if we needed to be mobile? I mean, what if suddenly we had to go somewhere? or, you know, leave our vehicle, something medically related, who knows, but um, here at least, yeah, I would be able to extend the amount of time that I'd have access to my communication, you know, system. So it was just as simple as, as that. Um, so yeah, I, I was kind of thinking along that line, maybe like nine, 10 years later than, than you were on that. But um, so they didn't really have those around 10 years ago either. And I, and again, I think if they did, it was very expensive. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good point because um, I, I bought a smaller one. I, I do long bike treks and like for a day and, and I bought a smaller one, which was, yeah, very expensive back maybe five, six, six, six years ago. Yeah. And um, this one was significantly less. Yeah. Much more affordable. And people are more familiar with them too. Like if you take them through like checkpoints and things are like, Oh, that's a battery pack. Like, yeah, you've seen those before. I'm not trying to get anything through here that would be right. that would be dangerous. So, um, you know, I was I was going through a, a number of your your videos and I, I wanted to bring awareness. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll bring this um, into the into the blog post. But you I, on July 14th, episode 120, 
how misinformation spreads and what we can do about it. So I want to touch on that a little bit later. Um, on July 8th, you wrote 12 or more of the most popular items during the pandemic. So we'll, we'll touch on, on those today. And you also, you made a blog post um, recently. It was about outdoor activities for kids. And basically, you know, like parks are closed, places that, you know, families usually uh, might take kids, uh, theaters, things like that, closed down. It actually like 45 items that you recommended, which were all spot on. And the 45th item, Morgan, on that list was have your kids draw a map of their neighborhood, of around the house, of if you go to a park or something like that. And that is such outstanding advice, right? It's situational awareness. It's memory recall. It's it's taking information and putting it down into some format that then you can retrieve from. Um, and and there's so much that can be pulled out of that, that outside of a pandemic, outside of whatever, just teaching kids how to identify what's happening in their environment. And then also, hey, that's different. Like that wasn't there yesterday when I made this map. That's there today or something is missing. And it's amazing. We see these videos of, of you know, kids of just people walking down the road with their cell phone and they walk right into a sign or walk right out in the traffic. They just don't have this awareness. But I really thought that was a phenomenal post because um, I'm a parent and I would suggest that post to any parent. I mean, again, I'll, I'll link that out. So just thank you for, again, the, the content that you that you create. Thank you. That was a glowing recommendation. Appreciate it. Uh, by the way, I just want to, little, you know, if I'm swatting at anything, it's not the imaginary people around here. It's, uh, right. <laughs> there's a bunch of flies around here. I'm trying to, like, keep them off. So. Morgan's like, okay, we weren't going to talk about this, but this is a haunted cabin that she's in right now. So it's been on Travel Channel. Actually, we do have somebody in the chat, Brian Bowden, um, who has uh, been on the Travel Channel um, for a... Uh, one of his ghost uh, shows. So he is in the chat right now out of the Bronx. Sorry, Brian, I, I don't remember the title of uh, of the show that you have, but yes. So if he's, he'll, he might start messaging and say, look, you know, look behind you, look at the orbs, things like that. It's all friendly <laughs> stuff, Phil Morgan. Usually it's friendly. You don't have to worry about it. I, you know, uh, but I'm actually really into all that ghost stuff and the supernatural. Not like really into it, but I think it's fascinating. I'm like yeah. really into the supernatural shows and stuff like that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you know, it, I have a lot of friends um, who investigate supernatural and they are tuned in to situational awareness and understanding their environment and, and getting measurements. And and I, I really appreciate that. I mean, I learn so much uh, from their work. So a shout out just to the chat room. Uh, Joel Dolio out of Michigan. Welcome. Bullrush. Welcome. John Steele out of Seattle, Washington. Welcome. Bacon. Inglewood, our good friend. Welcome. And Brian Bowden. Welcome from the Bronx. Finally having power back to the Bronx. Brian, I appreciate that they got you juiced up. So um, Morgan, the law of scarcity is in play. And I'm, I'm not I'm looking over here because I have a couple monitors in play, but the, the law of scarcity. So basically, uh, a disaster hits like a hurricane, a wildfire, uh, you know, let's say economic collapse, but something something hits fast. Um, people are scrambling for food, for water, toilet paper, stuff like this. Like we saw this with the coronavirus shutdown in the middle of March. People going to the stores just, you know, clearing out um the, these types of things from from the aisles. Um, from your observations, what what were the greatest demands? Um, kind of, you know, in March and April, what were things that you were seeing? You know, you're you're more trained to see this than than you know the the typical person. 
also, what was your your network, your friends? What were they telling you? Um, you know, maybe what were some of the some of the obvious things, some of the things that weren't so obvious. Well, I tell you what, um, I think we all knew about the toilet paper crisis. <laughs> I think that was really obvious, but that was something that literally no one expected. It was kind of like. <laughs> um, toilet paper like are we eating toilet paper is this a virus that makes us go to the bathroom a lot like what is happening here and so like it was very very confusing for a lot of us and uh what was really really interesting about this pandemic is that it really went in phases about what people wanted so they wanted the toilet paper that was first and the psychology behind it was i guess a lot of people were saying that the toilet paper is comfort Toilet paper is the, is the thing that gives people comfort, I guess. And so right. <laughs> um, right. it was fascinating, fascinating stuff. But um, so toilet paper. And then after the toilet paper came the food um, and and then the water and then the cleaning stuff after that. Okay. Um, it, it was all kind of intertwined together. But I mean, it was it was really, it kind of went in phases. And so after people were clearing the shelves and stuff like that, everybody was getting into um, learning things like, uh, you know, trying to be a little more self-sufficient, like baking and, uh, you know, sewing. Oh my gosh, you know, sewing. Everybody was getting into the sewing, you know, the mass sewing game. And um, so sewing machines, surprisingly out of stock for a very long time months i was trying to find a sewing machine i had sold one since before we moved into the rv and you know i was like whatever i'm not gonna i'm not gonna carry this big old heavy sewing machine and i i didn't i didn't store it either i'm just kicking myself for that anyway um i finally eventually found one a used really nice used one but anyway my point is sewing machines was never something that i ever thought a pandemic of any kind would, right. would create a shortage of and then, um, so again, people were realizing a little more self-sufficiency. So they got into canning, they got into dehydrating, they got Berkey, uh, water Berkey systems were um, really scarce. I think they still are. Uh, obviously, all the freeze-dried companies <laughs> weren't prepared <laughs> for this type of uh, onslaught that they were um, getting because everybody realized that nobody was prepared, that they weren't prepared. They had no food, no nothing, you know, and they didn't want just the canned stuff. They wanted that freeze dried stuff. So then uh, it went to freezer food items and freezers uh, were really heavily out of stock. They still are. We okay. magically stumbled upon a freezer like a month ago and we couldn't even, we didn't even have the solar set up to set it up yet, but we were like, we got to get this. And so we got it. And Thank goodness we did because it's still been very, very difficult to find. Um, I actually see on the screen here, uh, ammo has been really hard to find. So what's happening this year is it's not just a pandemic. It's also an election year. And so right. election years cause a lot of uh, ammo shortages and gun shortages. And ammo specifically, like, you know, just, uh, let's see, it was two months ago, we got uh, some wholesale and even at that time it was getting really really bad and now it's like almost impossible to find anything uh, especially the really popular in the nine nine millimeter two two three five five six all that you know very very difficult to find and so um 
yeah, <laughs> just got to shoot less. Unfortunately, <laughs> 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 do more dry fire. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I see on the screen here, Lysol's out of stock. Uh, yeah, I mean, those Lysol wipes are out of stock, but um, I actually have been able to find alcohol a little bit more. It's the 70%, but 70% is just a little more diluted. Alcohol is something that is also really, really hard to find because everybody realized that they could make their own hand sanitizer and they could make their own, you know, type of disinfecting wipes and things like that. And so, um, you know, that's been still out of stock a lot, but uh, toilet paper has come back. And I think uh, hand sanitizer has a hundred percent come back. And now I think it's, well, in some places, and I'll get to this in just a second. Um, but uh, in my area, it's definitely come back with a fiery passion. I mean, now I think, it, now I think it's an overabundance of hand sanitizer and it's an overabundance of masks. And I do masks as it's, it's coverings, uh, the face coverings. Now they're everywhere. And so, um, and so one thing that I've been seeing really, really fascinating of okay. is, is so different in every part of the US. The shortages that I'm hearing from a lot of people, some people are saying lumber is out of stock in some places. Oh, in okay. Area, in my area, I haven't seen any shortages at all, but they're saying in their area, they're seeing not only shortages, but increase of prices. Um, and then in some other places, I've also heard that, you know, there's been a shortage of toilet paper again, but in my area, there's plenty of toilet paper. So this is also something that's been very, very interesting um, to see. And it's not, it's not necessarily correlating with, you know, um, natural disaster prone areas either, because like the hurricane that just went through, it's going through. Um, and so it's not necessarily correlating with those specific areas either. Like the lumber shortage, this did not come from, you know, uh, uh, an Eastern, you know, state it didn't come from Florida. It didn't come from somewhere like that. So, um, you know, normally during any natural disaster, you're going to see huge um, increases of people rushing to the stores and getting all this stuff. So now we have the triple whammy. We have the politics. We have the pandemic. We have uh, natural disasters that are still coming because natural disasters don't care about pandemics. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we just have a whole, whole wide variety of things that are happening uh, right now. So it's a really wide variety of shortages. <laughs> sounds scary. Plus, yeah, plus ghost. You know, on top of this, right? So, yeah. more, so, so you're, you're talking about the sewing machine, right? So, you know, that it's a big item, right? Physically big, right? So to, to try to, to, to locate this, obviously to buy something off of eBay or whatever, I mean, it's going to be crazy shipping and stuff like that. But so when you realized you wanted to get a sewing machine, I guess, where were you going? Was it like Facebook marketplace? Was it Craigslist? Were there people in your I guess, network, which we'll talk about later of how you, you've developed your own member network. How are you trying to find a sewing machine and then, you know, the, the needles, the thread, the accessories to go with it? So surprisingly, a lot of the accessories, well, <laughs> let me step back a little bit. Uh, I was lucky enough to find the accessories before they also went out of stock because as i'm sure you might put two and two together with sewing machines going out of stock so does fabric fabric all the accessories and all those things like you're just saying definitely went way out of stock but um 
I was going on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist and nobody was even selling used. And if they were selling used, I'm dragonflying here now. Um, now, if they were selling used, um, it was going just like that. I mean, they were just gone. And so finally, I mean, it was, it was just the, you know, the stars aligned and finally I found it, but yeah, I was, I was constantly, constantly, constantly searching something else. That's a very interesting, the shortage, yeah. uh, playgrounds, um, any type of pools, um, any type of basically a lot of, uh, kid stuff like trampolines, they were out of stock as well. Bikes. I saw in my store one day that, a the entire aisle of bikes from Walmart gone. I couldn't believe my eyes. Wow. And uh, and I got to thinking, what is this? What's going on with this pandemic? And then I was like, well, all the kids are at home. All the parents are at home. Everybody's at home. So all the parks are closed. All the museums are closed. All the zoo all these places are closed in which you might take your child to go do these things. But now your child's at home and doing all these things. So... Um, it was a it was a really weird dynamic because I was just trying to find a playground for my daughter's you know fourth birthday and it took it took us like two months and at one point I was even like whatever I can't find a used one fine I'll just go buy a three thousand dollar one you couldn't even buy that either you couldn't even they were out of stock everybody was out of stock so when when did you start to see that like with the the um, playground equipment um, can you can you um... Is there a timeline you can put this to? Like, say the the bikes started like in May, and the playground started like in May, um, or I, I guess when do these things really start to to manifest? And I have a reason for this um, yeah. as as we get into this a little bit because yeah, what you're describing, um, I, I wasn't aware of all of these things. I mean, I was aware of a number because you've written about them and and you know my network, but um, but yeah, like when when did um when did you experience the playground equipment? When was, when did you go through like Walmart and be like, bikes are gone. They're missing. They're, they're gone. They're sold out. This is this last week when I was here, there were still bikes are gone. Uh, it, bikes were a month ago. So in July, and then okay. um, I want to say playgrounds were in May, uh, maybe end of April, we started looking and in May it was really becoming annoying. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I want to say around May. Um, Wow. Wow. Um, so, you know what, what you're talking about, Morgan, is um, it's a concept called crowd-in theory. So um, the law of scarcity uh, applies when, and, and I'm saying this as somebody who researches, um, you know, chaos. It's what I do. I'm a chaos researcher, right? So, um, but so law of scarcity, for example, you said the, the um, hurricane, you know, that came through. People know got to get wood, you know, plywood, got to board things up, um, got to get enough food supplies for, you know, number of days, water, things like that. But, but they know it's going to end, right? Like, you know, this will pass, this will end, we'll get back to some similarity. Now, crowd in theory is different though. Once, once you get to 90 days, now this is kind of a, a rough estimate on a civilian population, but there are many indicators that indicate this is authentic. Once you get to 90 days in a civilian population of a chaos event, which is pretty rare. Like the last time that's happened um, was Chernobyl in 1986, affected multiple countries. You know, um, of course, the Ukraine, parts of Russia, Sweden, so forth. Even over in the United States, um, radiation was was coming over. But um, at 90 days, people start to change their behavior, and they're no longer 
looking at survival items, they, they start buying uh, decorative trinkets, interior paint, like that's selling 10 times right now what it's normally sold at any month, you know, dating back like 70 years. Um, comfort items, blankets, um, puzzles, things like that through the roof, right? Selling. So it's kind of weird because if you think I have a hundred dollars and of this hundred dollars, do I go out and buy survival things like, you know, food, water, things I, I absolutely need, or do I take $30 of that and buy myself a DVD or, you know, some uh, trinket or a video game or something like that. Mm -hmm. So when people get into this crowd in mentality, um, things, the purchases start to change. Um, like when you're talking about like bikes being off, off the racks, like there are no bikes. Um, that's a great indicator of crowd in theory. People are like, okay, I'm going to need this for, to, you know, for transportation. The roads might, I live in a city and now they're not doing as much public transportation, right? Because of the coronavirus, they only let so many people on a bus and I've got to be able to get around. And what if the, you know, there's protests and streets get shut down. I need to be able to do that. Plus fitness and all of these other things. Um, so it's, it's just, it's fascinating right now because we are in a point of time because of the pandemic and then also civil unrest, we've crossed a hundred days and I've been working with some of the, you know, the top chaos folks in the world, even today. And we've never been here in the last 70 years as a Western society. Um, so it's, it, it, we're observing this in the moment, all these little indicators, right. Of, of what you've, what you've said. Um, so what, what else are some things that you're seeing or people are telling you about and you're like, that's, that's weird. Like I, why would people be buying this or what a, a new skill? Okay. Learning to garden. That makes sense. That's a crowd in mentality, right? That, that is, and that's actually a good thing, right? You want to, if you learn to do that, you'll probably carry that over in the next few years. It'll just, mm -hmm. but what are, what are these things, you know, again, that you're seeing other people are seeing that uh, we're, we're just missing. We're, we're just not thinking about it. Be like, oh yeah, that is. People are starting to do that. People are starting to do this. The people are. Um, anything you know else come to mind? Anything people telling you? Anything they're like, this is really hard to get, and I don't know why. I can't get timers anymore. The only the only place they have them is Safety Doc Podcast. I'm not selling this one either. It's, it's not for sale. Um, you know, uh, I actually do want to comment. On actually, something that you said was that. Um, we're getting past that 90 days of people. I think people are getting, okay. So not only have we never experienced this in our lifetime, but we also have never experienced something like this with the internet, with the ability to have all of these things at our fingertips, the ability to have Amazon and the ability to have video games and YouTube and, you know, this podcast and all of these things that are still here to entertain us, but people are still, getting restless and they're still trying to find these new ways to fill their time and they're getting bored and they're getting all these, you know, all these things are happening. And so um, I think one of the biggest things that's happening right now is um, uh, I don't know how else to put this besides just scarcity of the mind <laughs> in which the fact that people with so much unemployment and so much time on people's hands and just uh, with the chaos with, uh, the internet fueling people's mind in, right. the, in the sense of uh, good and bad, you know, because the internet is a great place to learn information and to meet new people and to join great communities. 
but it's also a great place to fuel that uh, hatred and anxiety and all this stuff. And so right. there's so much going on right now um, with with people's headspace. And so it's creating all this tension and chaos outside, you know, in the world. Uh, and so, I mean, that's, I think, I, I don't know how else to describe it. Like well, the, let, let's get into that. Um, so people... So you're you're observing the finite voltage effect, right? You're observing um, some people hit hit this point of, of call it mental collapse, right? Of of kind of, and there's um, this thing called uh, cyberchondria, where basically you go on the internet and if you start searching of um, you know economic collapse, you know um, coronavirus symptoms and whatever. Pretty soon, every search you do is focused on that, and you're four or five hours into it, and, and it just overwhelms you. You just compound it. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people told me like there's nights they don't even sleep, like they just continue searching and pretty soon the sun is up. Um, how people who are reaching out to you for the first time, who've never found you until suddenly they've done the searches and they're like, oh my goodness, there's this channel out there. There's this website. I'm going to bring up your website here and share it on the screen. Um, are people panicked when they're contacting you? Are uh, wh what are they asking you? What are they saying? Mo Morgan, I'm so glad I found you. Can you help me with this? Or here's what I'm doing. Or they, they just want to tell you what they're experiencing and get some response from you. Um, what are you sensing from your audience that maybe you didn't um, sense, you know, three, four months ago? Um, I am definitely sensing a lot more anxiety and fear just in general. Um, one of my most popular videos right now that I did like a year ago, um, was, uh, it's called, um, the best canned food items to store. And it's by far one of my most popular item, uh, one of my most popular YouTube videos right now. Um, because everybody is looking for answers and, uh, I've seen a lot of increase in a lot of my videos, you know, that have to deal with civil unrest and things like that. Right. Because they're just looking for answers and they don't know how to deal with any of this. So a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. And <clears throat> more specifically, people are wanting more defense. I get a lot of questions about uh, firearms and ammo and concealed carry and training and all this. And I, um, I think it's fantastic that people are um, you know, reaching out to actually want to do that because... It's always, you know, self-defense, especially with a firearm, is always very taboo, you know, it's like... Right, oh, right. You know? um, so, you know, a lot, a lot of people are reaching out to me about that. And, um, but in general, people are just kind of at a loss still. <laughs> you know, they've had all this time, they have all this information, but they just still don't really know what's going on. And I don't think that there's an answer for anything because nobody knows where this is going. <laughs> I mean, you know, two weeks to, to, you know, curve the, you know, to, to flatten the curve has turned into months of never ending and second lockdowns. Lockdowns have, that haven't even ended. And, uh, you know, a society that is spiraling into something that we've never seen before. So it's creating a lot more anxiety and, uh, and fear in people. I have a, I have a friend in um, Los Angeles, uh, Morgan, and she said, you know, I I don't have change to do my laundry. Like I can't get change anywhere. I can't get quarters. So you go to laundromat. There's no, <laughs> there's the machine's not 
spitting out change. You go to the bank and you're like, here, take this $5 bill. And can you give me quarters? It's like, you're doing a holdup, right? You know, like get out of here. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, I mean, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have thought about things like that. So, um, so I, I was bringing up some of the, some of your videos, uh, giving an idea. Um, how, how do you, um, I, how do you stabilize people around you who maybe, you know, whether it be family, extended family, friends, people in your network who are, are becoming very anxious and becoming um, very concerned that, you know, uh, I, I guess, you know, either anxious, depressed, languishing, you know, ready to give up um, things, things like that and, and help people uh, balance, get a footing, get grounded again. So, um, firstly, uh, what I do is I just, I just talk to them. You know, if somebody comes up to me and they're like, you know, I'm feeling really anxious about this world going on. I understand that. I totally get that. What are we feeling anxious about exactly? You know, we have to get to the root cause of the problem. Well, I'm afraid that people are going to come to my home. You know, the protesters are going to come to the suburbs or whatever the case may be. All right. We found something that we can work with. We found something that has a solution. Just having that anxiety and just having that fear with no focus and it just being there. Oh, good you know, point, Morgan. I'm sorry. No, good point. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> sorry. Um, you know, it, it's doing nothing. There's no focus. There's no action. There's no plan to move forward. And so this is how, you know, people spiral because they just focus so hard on this, on the negative things that are happening in this world. Oh, you know, these protests, the pandemic, all these things, you know, and they're spiraling out of control because they feel out of control right and there's a lot of things out of control out of our control in fact most of the things in this world are out of our control right, right. Um, there's very few things that are in our control but you know what there are actually quite a bit of things that are in our control so um, you know you can be better prepared you can be better educated you can be better informed uh, you can learn to control those that the feelings of fear and anxiety. And this sounds like very frou-frou, like I can't control my fear. We all have fear. And I know Tony Blower. And if you haven't heard of Tony Blower, you should really go look him up. He is amazing. He um, talks about knowing fear. And, uh, you know, no one's really ever talked about this because it's always just like, well, you have fear, you know, get over it, you know, be fearless. Right. That's not the way to deal with this. It is right. not the way to, nobody is fearless. And you're lying to yourself if you say that you are. We all have fears. And we all have anxiety about one thing or another. But it's how we acknowledge it. It's how we, um, and then it's how we use that fear to move forward, to figure out the action to take in order to get away from this fear to or to, uh, limit the fear at least. And so, you know, I mean, there's lots of things that I fear every day. I have two children that are running around the desert, you know, that could get bit by a snake or this, that, or the other, you know, but I have to um, control these emotions so that if these things ever do happen, I'm going to give you an example the other day, uh, something I never really expected, actually something I had thought of, but I just kind of put it out of my mind. Um, I didn't have my, my kids sleep on a bunk beds. And uh, my eldest, my four-year-old is on top. It's not very far from the ground. You know, we, we're in an RV. We're not that tall. Um, <clears throat> anyway, and so uh, it doesn't have, it didn't have any railings, but she had slept in a bed for a long time. So I was like, ah, she's probably fine, right? Um, 
and you know she'd never fallen off the bed before but that was a bigger bed it was slightly bigger it was a little different and so anyway she fell off the top of the bunk bed and i just hear this thump and i was like i sit up and i'm like the heck was that right and so i, I want to stop right there and and uh, most people at this stage when they hear a sound that they don't recognize um, they go into denial phase. Phase. Me, I hear a sound I don't recognize, and I go, "What's that? What is that? I need to recognize that sound. What is that sound? Let's figure out this sound." Especially living out on, uh, you know, forty acres away from civilization, and you know, like an hour to the nearest hospital, we had to be very aware of all these things. But I think everybody should never discount noises that you hear. Um, but anyway, and so I got up and I was like, what was that sound? And all of a sudden, you know, I get up and I start to go investigate and I hear my daughter crying. And, um, and I was like, oh. she was on the ground, bloody lip, but instead of freaking out and getting scared, oh gosh, what's going on? Literally all we did was we just action. We took care of her lip, we held her, we said, are you okay? All this, da da da, that's it. And then after that was over, then the anxiety kind of kicked in and I was like, what are we going to, tomorrow we're going to go put rails in. We're going to go get the, get the wood. to put right. the You know I mean? It was, it was taking that action. So it would never happen again. Um, but you know, it's, it's that fear of, you know, what if something really bad happened to my daughter? She was fine. But, um, Instead of freaking out about it in that moment, you just simply you just simply kind of dive in and take action. So we all have that fear and we all have anxiety, but we just have to just kind of and it takes training. It really does. It's not like an instant, you know, I'm just going to control my fear and be over with it. It's not takes right. training every single day. And kids are really good to train you <laughs> because they do crazy things all the time and they upset you all the time and they push your buttons all the time and so it's uh they are really really good training for that anxiety and controlling your emotions and uh by controlling your emotions you're controlling fear as part of that emotion you know so uh yeah uh, in, anything, anything yeah. that you can do to put yourself in that situation to to kind of maybe feel fear a little bit so that you can learn to overcome it and and take action and move forward the better off you're going to be just in any situation and especially natural disasters and pandemics and ghosts and whatever. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a great, great point. Yeah. Bring yourself to outside of your, your similarity zone and, and experience new things that are uncomfortable and how to negotiate, you know, with those, um, as, as you said, you, you've, you've got to kind of, uh, test, um, fear. So, um, a, a few things I want to touch on and, and, and a few things in the chat, which are great. Um, Josh, uh, Joshua, I'm going to get to your question in, in just a second. Um, Morgan, you're talking about, you know, you heard the noise and you made the choice then. So you're in the RV. Instead of freaking out, you're like, you're investigating. What is it? I'm trying, you know, to, to figure it out. And again, people, um, that's a choice. That's, that's, you condition yourself to investigate, to understand versus to, to fear and, 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 you know, either, you know, retreat from things. So I, I wrote about it in, in my, book which is here for people right this hard copy school of errors um i had the the benefit of working with the new york city department of planning when i wrote the book and 
learning about um, people in, in the Twin Towers, right, um, on 9-11, the attacks on the, the Twin Towers. And what was what, what was a, a fascinating um, element that stood out from that, and also the work of um, author Amanda Ripley. But when the Twin Towers were struck, a number of people um, just didn't acknowledge that what happened really happened, right? They stayed at their desk. And they're like, okay, something happened, but I need to save this document, right? I've got to save this. Back in 2000, takes a little while, the three and a half disc, you know, inch floppy. I've got to do this. I got to get this before I exit. Like, I've got to shut all of these systems down. And they didn't either acknowledge or, or interface with, with what was what was happening. Um, so it's part of that, too, that you, you have to be aware, you have to investigate what's happening, and then you have to act. A lot of people... You know, it's like power outages, right? If the power goes out, well, here, if the power goes out, like the odds are in 10 minutes, it'll be back on. Now, you know, we have people in the chat room and we have Joe in uh, Detroit. We have Brian in the Bronx where, you know, power has been out for like three days in the last few weeks. So then you have to adjust completely differently. You're out of your similarity. Um, what do you do then when, yeah, this isn't part of, of, of my life? How do I how do I adjust and get through this versus denying? I, I'm, and I'm not going to do anything here because in five minutes it's going to come back on. And you keep telling yourself that for for 20 hours. Um, you know, you, you, you mentioned and you wrote about this, too, um, in, a, in a tweet today. And it was fitness, right? So think about fitness. Anybody can take measures to become more fit. And when you're more fit one you know you, you feel better you physically feel better um in a crisis situation you can get yourself to safety uh, more efficiently if you're fit you can help rescue others if you're more fit and you yourself are um, it's easier to rescue you i mean if you're more fit don't have extra weight if you can participate in your rescue drew bay was a guest excuse me on my show he spoke about that um, at length, but right there, I mean, that's something people are like, I'm powerless. I, I, there's nothing I can do. And it's like, how many of us take those steps in our daily life with us and our kids and our family members, just, you know, just fitness and activities and what we, what we eat. So Joshua has a question. Um, he's been waiting patiently. He, he's asking, are people asking you about growing their own food? I believe we're all too dependent upon grocery stores. So, um, yeah. So, what are people asking you and, and what are you saying? Like, here's where to start with growing your own food. And it's maybe not rice. Yeah, no, definitely <laughs> not rice. Not a beginner's grower and thing. Uh, let's see. Uh, so I always suggest that uh, people start out with really, uh, but actually, yes, to answer your question. Yes. A lot of people have been asking about that, but it's not just gardening. It's also like uh, with their own eggs, you know, eggs was in huge shortage for a long time and people got sick of it. And uh, they, decided to get their own chickens. I, a lot of people have um, gotten their own backyard chickens, you know, just one or two or whatever, whatever they can get, you know, if they can get it. And I think that's fantastic. And a lot of people are very anti it because they're like, well, you know, you have to feed and take care of chickens. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> at some point we have to give people that buy chickens the benefit of the doubt, you know, I mean, I'm sure that there are some terrible animal owners, not, I'm sure, not, there may be, there definitely are, but um, I think if you're already kind of in that prepping mindset and that self-sufficiency mindset that you're, you're going to take those steps and you're going to, you're going to be okay with it. Um, taking care of a garden, I always suggest something um, easy, like starting with like sprouting foods, um, like sprouting beans or okay. sprouting 
any type of stuff like that or container gardening container gardening is really really simple um anybody can do it you can live in an apartment uh you know even i'm actually doing a little container gardening in my uh greenhouse for certain things you know and uh, herbs of course always really really easy to grow herbs you know nice small little plants you know you could put them in a bright window sill and they'll be good um and then there's little microgreens that you can do. There's actually microgreens like uh, little microgreen lettuce and little microgreen, you know, things like that, which are really, really easy. You can do that inside. They sell little kits that have like a little grow light on top and stuff like that. Super easy. Um, yeah, there's all these little, little super easy things we can do. But yeah, a lot of people have definitely been, been going that route as well, which I think is, is fantastic. Is it hard to get the seeds um, or are those around or is there, how do you recommend, you know, people go about, yeah, okay, beans. We actually did that. Like that was, that was one of the the staples of the garden that we, we made this year, uh, beans. Um, so yeah, how, how do people go, has that been in short supply or has it been available? Some people have said it's been in short supply, but I have not found any issues. I have just, I've searched, I've gotten seeds from Etsy, from seedsnow.com. I got it from, um, I'm forgetting. Morgan's like in the mail from China. I'm like, don't plant those. <laughs> not China. Do not don't plant, plant those. those seeds. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, I mean, yeah, they're coming through the mail. Um, I, uh, most stores will stop selling it around now or next month, depending on your zone. Um, like my, uh, Home Depot and stuff like that still had lots of seeds, you know, the more expensive ones were there, but you know, if you want a garden, you'll spend a little more money. <laughs> if there's no seeds, you're going to buy the seeds that are there. Right. Um, you know, they had like the really organic ones, you know, um, <clears throat> the really organic ones, not just organic, but really, really organic. Okay. So anyway, uh, and, uh, so there are still seeds available, but I think it's just kind of dependent on where you live and where you look online. Okay. I've, I've been pretty successful online. Um, we have a question from Marty in the chat. And I think this, this is a terrific question, right? Uh, when does, when does a prepper, um, turn into a hoarder? He believes it's an easy line to cross. And, and now in watching, um, something that you do is you write down the date that, you know, you buy, um, you know, for example, food items. Here's the date that I bought this. Here's the date that I put Tylenol in my bug out bag. So then you, you, you set alarms. So, you know, a certain number of days around a calendar later, so you can cycle through things. So that's a good tip. But, um, but yeah, uh, when, um, have, have there been things when you're like, oh, we went over the, the top on this, or how do you help people negotiate, um, I, I guess the right amount to keep versus, oh my goodness, like you've just put up another storage unit and it's solely for this. And that's probably not real, really realistic. That's not where you should be putting your resources. I guess everyone's thinking maybe more is better, right? I, I've done that on the other side of this wall. Um, we've, we added another pantry and, you know, that continues to expand and expand and, and wondering how much further should I expand that so how, how do you help people answer that question yeah um i give a really vague answer because there's really no sure. answer for that like i can't tell you that you know having 25 years worth of food not just 20 well, not just food that lasts 25 years but you know actually 25 years worth of food 
um, is too much. I can't tell you that. You know, if you have the space and you have the money and you have the motivation, more power to you. I can't, you know, I, the, it's not really my place or anybody else's place to tell you it's really too much. Now, I think it becomes a hoarding problem when it, when it, uh, overtakes your life. Like if you've seen those hoarding shows, you know what I'm talking about. I right. mean, like and it becomes so bad in which, you know, you can't move, you can't live your, your hygiene is taking a hit. You know I mean? That, that is a serious condition. And that's, that's, that's really, really serious. And I think, a lot of preppers may feel that they're going overboard, but also at the same time, you know, it's hard because we, we just want to be prepared and we just, you know, we always feel like it's never enough, you know, because like with this pandemic is showing us months and months later, it's like, you know, our economy is tanking and, and, you know, we're keep hearing of food shortages and we keep hearing of all these things and it's really scary. And so, um, I, I think I, I, there's no really good way to answer that. You know, if, if somebody's coming into your home and being like, Hey, can I sit where those cans of <laughs> and you go, no, right. <laughs> that's probably, <laughs> probably need to scale back a little bit and, uh, you know, fi either find a better place for that stuff or, uh, you know, um, find some other ways to acquire food, you know, outside of just, stocking food like you know growing your own garden or you know looking into uh all the other sources of food you know uh small game hunting and stuff like that you know for a more long-term self-sufficiency kind of thing so wow wow so um i, I have a, a few more questions this is this has been terrific um if you know people want people want to learn a skill right now um, how, how would you, what recommendations are you saying, you know, um, learn how to cook, um, or, you know, prioritize, learn how to can, or no, you know, learn some, some self-defense or, um, you know, reconnaissance, you know, scout out your environment. I guess if, if, um, someone, you know, is, is coming to you saying, Hey, I want to learn a skill, not necessarily like I want to buy something like I, you know, I tell me which, you know, hatchet to buy, which ham radio to buy things like that. But they're like, I want to learn um, a, a skill, like a starting point. Um, what's, what's a good starting point for people so, you know, that they don't get overwhelmed. Um, it can be kind of, you know, apply very quickly. We already kind of talked about fitness, but what would be something else? Um, people get overwhelmed because they never start because they never actually do anything. They keep reading up on a subject and they keep reading and reading and reading and they never actually do anything. So they feel really overwhelmed because there's a ton of information out there. So they feel like, well, I have to be the most prepared to start by reading all this stuff first. But then you start reading all this stuff and then it just spirals your rabbit hole into rabbit hole into rabbit hole into rabbit hole. And then you just never do anything because you're like, well, I'll never be where this prepper's at. So why even bother, right? I right. actually hear that quite a bit. And so it's it's really unfortunate that people just get so inside their heads, you know, with all this information that's out there. And so my advice, if you ever want to start any sort of skill, it doesn't really matter what it is. If it's just, uh, you know, I want to learn how to sharpen a knife. Well, get a little bit of information, the, enough information to get you started, right? 
but then actually do something. Don't just read the information and do nothing with it, but read the information and then go try it. Even if you fail, who cares? Nobody cares. Okay. It's just the fact that you did it. You started. Um, and you know, I have failed so many times with so many different things, but it's always made me, um, more excited to learn how I can better to do it. You know, when I first got it started, when I first got started prepping, um, I was doing a lot of weird things, a lot of, you know, and so, but I just got started, you know, it's like, maybe it was weird to somebody else, but I also was just, I was just doing it, you know, I was just like, we can't be perfect. And I think that's another thing that holds us back as well. Perfection. Every, everybody wants to be perfect. You want to be the perfect prepper, the perfect person, the perfect person to do this skill, you know, and be perfect at this skill. But it's just, it's not going to happen. You know, there's no such thing as perfect, especially with preparedness, because there's so many different ways to do things. And so, um, yeah, if you want to get started with a skill, then read up a little bit of information, you know, watch some YouTube videos, whatever you got to do. And then like put it on your calendar and just go, just, just do it. <laughs> There's really nothing more to it. If you don't do it, then. You mentioned, you um, <laughs> I, I, so right there, I mean, learning how to sharpen a knife, right? I mean, <laughs> um, that's, I, I remember, um, you know, cause I've, I heat the house with firewood, right? So, you know, got to keep, keep the axes, um, you know, sharp, uh, but it was a skill. It was just trial and error, right? Until I kind of figured out how to do it. In the first <laughs> few times, it didn't turn out the, the best, right? Or like sharpening the blade on my lawnmower. I'm like, well, you know, this can't be that hard back, you know, in the, in the early stages. And and sometimes it's kind of weird because when we moved into this house back in, in uh, 2002, uh, there was a fair amount of work that needed to be done. And I would do things like I would build doors and things like for the house, and which are really, really nice. And like, I just did it back then because nobody told me I couldn't and I didn't psych myself out of it. Right. I'm like, how the hell do you build a door? I mean, that goes into what I've never built a door before. And um, yeah, I built this set of drawers out in my garage that pulls out in, and there's no mechanical mechanism. It's just with a little bit of paraffin wax for, to ease the friction. And these things are like magnificent. And then again, it's, as you said, it's a psychology of start somewhere. And, you know, again, if, uh, wow, just like right there, sharpening a knife, it's it's someplace if you're doing a garden start somewhere experiment and you'll learn i mean you'll learn over time um so i want to respectful of, of, of your time as we're talking about time um a question from the the chat room uh, bacon maldito a good friend from inglewood um and this is toward the end here of, of our question set too how about communications so communication network um when you're hun hunkering down he's asking hey should i consider a landline um, you, you've demonstrated with your husband, the use of ham radio and, you know, the success you've had with that. I think, um, he, in an episode, he was saying he was able to talk to somebody in Canada on, on the ham radio from like the Southern U S. Um, what, what do you think for communications? What should people who, uh, like bacon are, are interested, want to know reliable communications? Cause yeah, the cell phone, I don't know, you know, maybe it's, those networks aren't going to be reliable. And then also, of course, um, you know, those, those systems um, could, well, I, I mean, they could be, be controlled and monitored and, and, and things like that, just the reality. Um, what, do, what do you suggest uh, for making sure you're not isolated, you're getting information of what's happening from other people? Um, so first, yeah, tell me, 
is it ham radio? Is there a landline? Is there a satellite phone? Is there some other method that you use? Yeah, so there are a few options. Um, you know, I honestly think a landline is a really good idea, especially, you know, if you can afford it and why not, you know, go for it. You know, I I really don't see anything wrong with a landline. Um but outside of that, you know, a landline could be a landline could be really good in emergencies because you could be a point of contact for other people as well. It's basically I forgot the technical term for it, but basically, you know, you could be a point of contact for someone in the sense of, well, I'll be your emergency command center, essentially. So um, if two families are getting separated or something, okay, one family calls you and says, hey, I'm at this location. Can you tell my mom when she when she calls in or whatever? Yeah, sure, I'll do that. Okay, but mom calls in. Hey, have you heard from so-and-so? Where are they? Hey, they're at blah, 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 blah. Okay, done. Okay, so you're like that command center. Now you could also designate somebody else as a command center as well in the case of emergency. Now, um, pay phones still exist. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I've always suggested that people should um, point the point out the pay phones that are nearest to them. I had like four or five of them when I used to live in an urban area and they all worked. And um, a lot of people say that the landlines, or I'm sorry, that the... Um, that the payphones work on cellular now, but um, I've confirmed with several people that it's still on the landline. So I'm not really sure kind of what's going on with that, but um, a payphone is an option. Or if you have like a nearby um, business or something, you know, like a gas station or something that might let you use their landline. A lot of businesses still have landlines these days. So they're an option as well. Just want to make sure that they actually have an, an actual landline and not like a, a VoIP or something like that, you know, like an internet uh, phone or anything like that. Um, and then outside of that, ham. I love ham radio. I suggest ham radio all the time. Um, it reaches far distances. I suggest that everybody get their ham license. And um, I know a lot of people have qualms with getting the license yeah. because they share your they share your address publicly. And because you can look up every single ham and in the in the database and okay. they share your address publicly and a lot of people don't like that. Just get a P.O. box or, you know, you know, whatever uh, you can use a P.O. box as far as I know we do. Um, and so, you know, if it's if it's that, that big of a problem, it is, which it is for us. I get that. Just use a P.O. box. Also. You will not learn as much about ham radio unless you actually get involved in it. I promise you this. We tried to get into ham radio by just listening to it uh, before getting our license. And it was cool and all. We were able to, you know, listen to a couple frequencies that got that kind of thing. But it was never, ever the experience that we had after our license. We got into a club. Um, we did the the yearly. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of it now. The the disaster. Um, somebody help me out in the comments. <laughs> I know one of you must know. Um, the week the yearly. Uh, it's the. Uh, I'll come. It'll come to me later. Okay. Um, anyway, Joe Dolio, help us out. <laughs> um, the disaster training for hands. I can't remember it. Ugh. We only did it once, like several years ago. We were only able to do it once. And then I think it was canceled this year when we wanted to go. 
Anyway, um, you will never learn as much about ham and how to use it and how to connect with people unless you actually get your license. And trust me, trust me, trust me when I tell you this. We were the before, now we're the after, and we know the difference. We, we are the difference. And so I highly, highly, highly encourage everybody to at least get their tech license. I have my tech, husband has this extra, and so, um, you know, we can get a variety of things going, um, you know, variety of distances and frequencies and things like that. So, um, you, and even if you study the book or the test or whatever, you still will not learn as much as you will by actually doing it, by actually getting involved. Okay. All that stuff kind of just comes right together when you actually field day. That's it. Field day. <laughs> it's right there on the screen. Field day. Oh, Got it. Thank you, Joe, for for uh, getting me the link to that. Gosh. <laughs> yes, field day. Love field day. So fun. And every ham is so knowledgeable and so helpful. You will never find a ham that isn't isn't more eager to help because uh, the ham community it's not dying, but it's it's definitely something that a lot of people are not doing as much of anymore. And so the more people they can recruit, especially young people, they can recruit. But of course, yeah, it's not just for young people. I'm just saying, you know. Um, but, you know, they always get very excited for the younger crowd. They're like, oh, yeah, oh, right. you're in the ham fitness. <laughs> um, you know, when you go into ham clubs, it's a it's a lot of older gentlemen, which is great. I, I went to field day and there were people who were doing uh, Morse code. And I was just like, this is so cool because you don't have to learn Morse code anymore uh, for the test. And when I wanted to do it like uh, 20 years ago, uh, you still had to do Morse code. And I never did it because you had to learn Morse code. <laughs> I just didn't want to take that step. But anyway, um, yeah, I highly, highly suggest ham radio. And you can listen without a license. And I know that even during an emergency or disaster, you don't have to have your license in order to talk. But again, you just don't know what to do. You don't know how to reach right. out to people. You don't know how to communicate with this radio in your hand. You don't know the frequencies. You don't know these things without actually doing it and getting involved in it. And, and preferably, you know, get involved with the club. They'll, they'll really, really help you out. So to get trained in ham radio, um, I guess, how long does does that take? And, and then like what a basic ham radio setup, what, what would that cost? Um, gosh, ham can range anywhere. You know, you can get the $35 bale things or bowel things or however people say them, you know, um, little handheld, little $35 ones, or it can all go up to thousands of dollars. Right. Um, it just really, really depends on your budget. Um, and you know, what you want to do with it and stuff. We made like a little ham radio box in which, you know, a portable box and things like that, um, had, had all our stuff in it and then it has the solar on the outside to charge it all together. It's very cool. But uh, yeah, it just kind of depends you know, on the antennas and masks and all these things. They all kind of add up. But <laughs> ham is not a cheap uh, hobby. Let me, let me tell you that. But you can get started with just right and, and yeah. stick with just, you know, like a little handheld right. or something like that with maybe like an extension antenna or something like that. And, you know, you could get very good range. Um, you know, talk to your local community or, you know, something like that. Um, how about the, how about the course? I mean, how long did, did it take you to yeah. do the course? So, uh, the, we, we took one week 
to study. You can actually, we studied hard and fast for this because we wanted to do it for so long and we were like, we just have to do this. And so we, we put a date on the calendar for the exam. The exams are usually taken um, uh, in person. I think they may start be starting to do more online stuff. It just depends on where you live and the person putting it on. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> um, the big thing is like, don't freak out about it. Like if this is something you're interested in, you know, practice for it, get in with a network and, and learn it. And yeah, it's, it's cool. It is very cool. Very, very fun. Everybody's very encouraging and helpful. I'm going to bring up the uh, the page here of um, per the recommendation of Joe in, in the chat. And right here is the American Readout Radio Operators Network, the American Preparedness Radio Network, TAPRN. Are you familiar with that, Morgan? Okay. Absolutely. So, so, yeah. So, here's, you know, here's their website. So, immediately... Um, this is, this is a network that you can uh, get in communication, uh, you know, be a part of, um, and bringing us, you know, down to, to kind of the, the, you know, final question, um, how do you, uh, how do you get reliable information? Uh, you, you did a, you did a show on this, um, also of, you know, making sure you have people that you can contact from around, you know, whether the country or the United States, but who are you going to, to get reliable information and how do you build your network? How do you say like, okay, this person I want in my network, or how do you say like, okay, this person, the stuff they're telling me of what they're observing, I don't, it's not accurate. It's information, so I'm gonna take it, but it's not necessarily intelligence. Do you coach people in that? Do you have a network Is someone in your network documenting, okay, this, this is happening right now um, at, you know, these seven sites, like um, stores are requiring mask or states just put in like mask orders or um, yeah. Uh, playgrounds are all marked off with tape and off limits or gas prices just dropped. I mean, all of these, these things that people observe, how do, how do you build, how did you build your network? And then how do you kind of vet and coach people in your network? And, and maybe if it's not even people like, but here's like a source you go to, it might be yeah, the, the Amron source to help inform you. Um, because as you, you indicated earlier, I mean, if we're just focusing on, here's what CNN is, is telling us, here's what the Epic News is telling us, Drudge. You know, comment. we're just gonna go crazy, right? All of these things are gonna drive us nuts because it's it's just information overload, and ninety nine percent of it is not only accurate; it's just very regional, almost local to like you know what a reporter picks up five miles away from a station. So I think people struggle with this a lot. Um, so what would you, uh, you know, right right now? So I'm asking you the question: How do you make the network? How how do you get your network of people to get you information? Yeah, so it really does take a lot of trial and error, um, but. Basically, it's it's a kind of about consistency. So if they're consistently giving you information that you can verify in some way, um, then they're probably a good source. Like a lot of a lot of links are being thrown out there all the time, right? Now, social media, I think, is actually a pretty good way to get information, but it's also a terrible way to get information. So you really have to. Um, go to multiple sources to try to figure this out, or or the or either that or that source linked to some official 
source. An official could be whatever you find official. Like I think a lot of information and websites and, and agencies and things are very, um, they're very personal to people. Like, you know, a lot of people may listen to the FDA or the CDC or whatever, and then, or the who or whoever. And then other people are like, I don't listen to them or whatever. You know, you know, especially with this pandemic, it's been really, I think they've been taking a huge hit, you know, because they've been very flip floppy, you know, with all this information, it's been right. very hard to keep up. Right. Um, and so at a certain point, we have to take all the information that we gather and then we have to come to a conclusion ourselves about what to do, you know, or how to act or, you know, what actions to take or whatever the case may be. And um, the media has unfortunately knows how to pull at our emotions and how to, knows how to fear monger and knows just the right wording and phrasing to get us all riled up and against each other. Right. And so, um, I think the biggest thing when it comes to information is to control our emotions, to gather as much as we can from a variety of sources and um, just try to put the pieces together as best as possible without letting our emotions just run wild. Uh, yeah. yeah, that I mean, right there is that's a terrific statement because if you're not in the state of mind to process information. It doesn't really matter what information you get. I mean, because you're you're, you're just going to be anxious. And if you remove that and, and objectively look at the information, yeah, then it's you're you're going to recognize the patterns. It's going to be much much clearer. Hey, we have a question from um, Nick Shulaner, uh, our good friend from Washington State. He's asking. Um, there was the episode your husband was using um, HF bands to make a contact with Canada, um, or, or he's saying, did your husband use the HF bands to make the contact in Canada? There was there was a, a video where your husband was using the radio or he was talking about it and he said he communicated with some people in Canada. So not sure. You probably know Nick's lingo here better than I do. Yeah, it was during field day and um, you know we were using HF and a huge mast and, and antenna and all that. So yeah. Um, People, we were able to reach Canada that way, but the Morse code people, I think, were reaching people in like Germany and things, and like that was really cool. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, field day is awesome. You get to reach all these people because everybody brings out their huge mass and antennas, and you're just like, this is so cool. Like, there's just all these huge antennas everywhere. It's great. So, yeah, we, we reach a whole bunch of people, but yeah, that was field day. Um, we we want to get a, uh, a mast out here. Um, you know, everything costs money, everything's time, everything's priority. So yeah, but that's definitely our priority for sure. Wow. So, um, you know, to, have you had any, anybody, um, in your network, um, extended family, friends that has, um, has given you, um, I don't want to say bad in intelligence, right? Bad intel, but maybe not informed. Maybe we're, maybe they've said to you, um, Morgan, this is what's happening. They are doing this and they are doing that. And, and if you go a step beyond that, what, what that person's really telling you is I, I watched the news for four hours last night and this is exactly what the news said. And now I am telling you that in a nutshell, um, have you, have anybody where you've, where you've needed to, to help them, um, 
and say, instead of this, tell me what you observed. If you can say, I observed, okay, what did you do today? Well, I went to the store. Okay, what did you observe at the store? Or what did you observe when you were on the roads? I mean, so the roads were still open. Yeah, I guess roads are still open and still doing this. What did you observe? Um, so uh, have you had anybody uh, close to you as a family member? I, I, I mean, obviously, you don't have to identify the person, but somebody who has kind of hit this this finite voltage or has, has been taken in by by you know the media and has just kind of lost their ability to be objective um i definitely have a family member that it's uh very frustrating uh because um they are very very into their news and they do not look out outside sources or any other information and so um I've kind of stopped with that family member. At first, I kind of tried to have a conversation and they really don't want anything of it. And so with those types of people, unfortunately, there's not much to really be done. But I also have the other spectrum in which like somebody might send me a link or something and I'll be like, what is this? And I'll, you know, look at it and I'll go research it and then I'll get down to the actual facts of it. You know, I'll be like, well, what I'm seeing is this and that and the other, and then we'll have a conversation about it. You know, kind of like what you were saying about the observing. You know, what I'm observing from this other article is this, that, and the other. You know, what do you think? And then we'll have actually an actual conversation about it. So, um, you know, I think uh, just the other day, um, somebody posted something, and I went immediately, before I even reacted, emotionally you know by leaving a comment whatever i went and researched it and uh it had already been taken care of i guess it was about some troll doll or something they were outraged by this troll doll i don't know if anybody knows what i'm talking about i don't really want to go into too many details but there was this troll doll that was very offensive and um disgusting actually and so they wanted it you know it was just a story that was talking about it and so i investigated and they had actually started taking it off the shelf so then i posted that link and so now that was a whole conversation it was this person posted this link and then i posted another link of something you know the action that was already taken you know sure. so um now a lot of people were very you know emotional about this but it's about finding out, has any action been taken? What's going on with this? Is this real? What is this? You know, because some things, you can't believe it's real, right? So you have to look it up. Um, so, yeah, especially with politics. Don't believe any politician. Don't believe any politics. Yeah. You know, it was it was amazing. Um, I have a funny side, uh, short funny side story. And and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into wrap up here. Uh, my, my... Um, my aunt and, and uncle uh, moved into a house about 10 years ago in the northern part of the state. And uh, when when they passed, you know, we were uh, cleaning, you know, out the house and stuff. And I'm like, what? What's the deal with this big antenna that's <laughs> on, uh, on top of the garage? And then I, like, linked it all down. And there was, like, this whole ham radio network that I never knew existed. Like, I so I don't think that – I think it was there when they bought the house. And they just kind of left it. And it was just the weirdest thing because I'm like, if I would have known this was here, like I would have, um, I would have asked you questions. Like, what's the story behind this? And, and um, so, and, and I think what, you know, you've indicated too is there will be sometimes uh, people will get to this, this finite voltage point and, and you have to be careful of how much time you invest in them. 
um, to try to, to convince them, no, the border actually is open between, you know, Wisconsin and Illinois, that they're not stopping people and arresting you at the border. Um, that's that's not happening. Um, and, and find a dignified way to kind of walk away from that saying, you know, we have different sets of information we're working from. Um, I don't have that information. I'm not getting that through through my network of people. But, you know, um, thanks, you know, for sharing that with me and and, and to move on. Um, wow. Um, so, Morgan, in, as, as we close, what where bringing out bringing out the crystal ball here? Where do you see things? Um, between, I guess, now and election, and maybe what are some things if you know people should watch for things that could be happening in stores, things that could be happening through you know government mandates, um, things that they can do because I, I think a consensus is like November is going to be bad. Like the election, no matter who wins the election, it it just is. There's a probability of these these riots uh, repeating. You know, in cities and things like that. I know some some people who have had places um, destroyed in the riots, and they said, you know, we're not doing anything until after the election um, because we're not going to rebuild and likely have have something. So, wh- where do where do you think things are are heading, and how um, you know one or two things people should think about from a preparedness aspect? Um, I, I'm not really kind of big on predictions i'm really big on action and so the only actions you know on things that i can control and so what i can control and what i can do is keep prepping i can keep going and i can keep getting those couple extra cans of food i can keep getting those couple extra bottles of water i can keep collecting rainwater i can keep working on my garden i can keep um learning new skills um you know i can um keep gathering intel and I can keep training and I can keep doing all these things. Um, because I, I think no matter what, you know, the more self-sufficient and the more skills that we know and, and the better prepared we are to be able to handle whatever, whether it's ghosts or aliens or a, right. a politician we don't agree with, you know, winning the election, whatever the case may be, you know, um, we'll be mentally, physically, um, emotionally better prepared to handle this stuff if we just if we just try to stay focused on trying to better ourselves and better our community and um, you know better those around us and just try to just be the best prepared that we all can possibly be. I mean that's really the best advice that I have. Morgan, I'm going to bring up your website and I'm going to have you um, just you know introduce. Uh, you know I won't go through you know, all of it, but just introduce people. This is the website, roguepreparedness.com. Um, what will people find when they visit your website? Uh, so I have a lot of, a lot of free stuff, a lot of free content, uh, some challenges, and uh, I have um, some online courses. I have some eBooks on there. Um, I have, uh, gosh, checklists. I have a lot of free checklists that people can download. Um and then I have a newsletter. If people want to subscribe, you get a free ebook about how to cook with your food storage. Um, and then uh, I think, well, there's just a lot of there's a lot of content on there <laughs> right now. Management actually, does you know? Are there other people? This is an extensive, very well assembled, um, you know, site. This is this is really well done. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, I'm doing a 
31 day rogues, 31 days to readiness challenge on my blog where I post a blog every day just to kind of give a little snippet of something to do for that day or to get you thinking or something like that. So that's what I'm doing in the month, this month, uh, just little things instead of big extensive blog posts, just little quick little snippets of pe things people can do. So over here on the right hand side, it says chat with rogue preparedness. Um, so people can, can just come in here and, and, start a chat, like ask questions or ask questions about the site or, or what, what's, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. That's just a open chat. If you, if anybody, I, I think it's connected to Facebook. Um, yes. I'm going to be real with you. I'm not sure how that got on my site. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how any of this is there. I think I don't my, know. Husband, my husband sometimes tinkers with my right. website. All of a sudden somebody was asking me a question one day and I'm like, and it didn't come from Facebook or whatever. And I was like, where did this come from? And I went to my website. I was like, what is this? Anyway, um, I think my husband may have added it there. But I like it. You know, it's as long as you have Facebook, yeah, you can. Okay. And then I'm yeah. on every platform. So I, I'm i reachable everywhere. And, you know, it may, it may take me a little bit to get back to you, like through email or whatever. But, you know, like it took me a little bit to get back to you, <laughs> you know, but... Uh, I always get back to people, even if it's a week or two later. So just always try to be patient with me. Wow. Morgan, this, this is, I mean, yeah, people, people can check it out. It's, it's very well put together and coming back to what I said at the start of the show, it's a, it's an easement, right? Um, uh, it's a way in um, for people, uh, whether this is, they're totally new to this. Um, and, and this is another point, like, you know, people can't, feel that oh my god because i i haven't done enough it's too late to do anything like no you can start today and, and you, you again more you sprout you know when you're shopping um if there are extra cans available or you know extra pasta available you know pick some up start to expand out your pantry work on your own skill set hey sharpening a knife can i can i start growing some stuff in the container growing at home and you're looking and these aren't expensive things i mean you're investing in your own you know, skill sets and um, it, it makes sense. And, and, you know, you give so much opportunity for people just from your website. And I'm, I love that we talked about the ham radio aspect because I hadn't thought about that when I, when I grew up with CB radios, right? Yeah. <laughs> CB radio in my car. And, you know, that was, that was the thing, but. Um, it's a but whole the, new world with ham. Let me tell you, we were CB too. And we were like, whatever, CB's <laughs> fine. And, and then we got into ham. We were like, whoa, <laughs> CB's not fine at all. <laughs> <laughs> right, man. That was um, it, it. Was it was crazy? We, I lived um, uh, two blocks from a cheese factory where I, where I grew up, small town, and uh, I had a CB radio, like a little home base, in my house, and uh, I could talk to the truck drivers that would come in because this yeah. cheese factory was pretty bu busy. So that was always a cool thing of, cool. of you know, when they would come by. And um, but yeah, so so as you indicated, ham radio and ham radio, you know, is a, a way. And I know this, you know, through the Chernobyl. Um, you know, research that I've done, the people I've talked to, uh, you know, Pripyat, Kiv, um, Poland, Sweden, Eastern Bloc, uh, ham radio was a huge source of information, kind of like a Samistat type of thing where they did the, the underground newspapers. It was a way to get information. And people had a high value in what was coming out of ham radio back then. And, and I think to this day, too. So this is there's there's a term in research called stochastic. So stochastic means that you have a, a, a very a varied sample, right? So if I'm going to ask, you know, five people how they're doing today, I'm not going to ask five people who just won 
you know, something at a lottery and I are redeeming their tickets to get their money. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty damn great because I just won the lottery. I'm going to ask five people, you know, all over sample. So stochastic, right? So if you have ham radio, it, that means you're talking to people different ages in different geographic locations who have different um, government, you know, things that are impacting them. I mean, so, you know, if you're in Michigan, as Joe had posted in the chat, there's a limitation on buying seeds. So, you know, you, so you get information from people from different areas. It, it is this natural variable part. Now, the benefit of that is your information is more likely to be accurate when you have a broad sample of information versus just a small network and people who probably experience the same stores that you go to, you know, the, the same streets that you walk on and things like that. So this is really cool that you shared this. Um, everything on your site, just your work. I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, I, I, I thank you to um, everybody in the chat. Thank you uh, so much. The, the questions, you know, uh, spot on. We've really advanced this discussion. Um, yeah, it, it. I mean, I'm I'm just thrilled um, to to learn. And <laughs> it, in closing, Morgan Morgan yesterday had a video that she posted of about planting rice um, and this whole process. You take containers, and then um, she was she was going through and and how you put so much water in and you put soil down and then you put um, rice on top and then you put a couple inches of water above. But what happened is the water went down below and then the soil <laughs> raised up and, and she did one container and said, well, wait and see how this one turns out. And, and I was watching them like, this is actually great because you could have just cut that out, right? You could have just waited until, you know, whatever happened and then produce a video that was all showing here's exactly a thing, but you're showing, you're, you're telling people experiment, like be vulnerable on this. And it's rice, it's rice and dirt and water, right? If it doesn't, turn out it doesn't, but it, I'm going to learn that. I'm going to learn something different from this. And I love that you do that. You're so authentic on, on what you what you share. And you're just very smart on, on this, very connected to you. So um, Morgan, in sharing with people, how can they find out, you know, I'll have the website, but, you know, find out about you. Um, you, you post uh, many um, YouTube videos. Uh, I've got, you know, a number of them over here on the side. Um, I, I, you know, recommend I, I watch these, I, I go through these. Um, how can people learn more about you and more about your work? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much everywhere. If you just put rope preparedness, you'll, you'll find me, but I'm on Instagram and uh, Facebook and Twitter and, uh, and YouTube, obviously. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty active everywhere. I mainly just post links on Facebook, but you know, you can reach out to me pretty much everywhere and I'll, you know, email. It really doesn't matter. I'm, I'm cool with wherever. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really appreciate uh, the engagement. I love these live shows and and the live comments and, and talking to people and, and, and getting that back and forth. And of course, the host is, is good too. Again. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> very, very it, it, Morgan, I had so much fun doing uh, the show trailer. For, for this. So I took a little clip from uh, Sigourney Weaver in the movie Aliens. And um, and if you haven't seen it, just go on, on Twitter and, um, you know, under Safety PhD and you can find it's like 50 seconds long. And and I, I did a, a little, um, just a little spoof, right, of, of a trailer, which I started to do now for shows that I've I had fun with it. But it, it was so... <laughs> It was so funny because um, actually I'm a pretty serious person. So when people see that and they've only seen me present in context, um, it, it, it's it's you know it, it's kind of um, oh my goodness I didn't know there there was a side. But but after watching, I was like okay Morgan will, Morgan will be all right with this. 
so yeah. you're not going to cancel out on the show here because because uh, yeah we have a little um, you know fun intro video to it. But well, hey, thank you so much, Morgan. Um, I hope you know that I'll, we'll do a check in at some point down the road to kind of you know see what's different, what you've observed, how things have changed. You've helped us so much on member checking. Um, you know, things that, um, you know, were difficult to to find, you know, once the, the pandemic, once the closure started, like, you know, sewing machines, who's going to think about that going through the, you know, where are the bikes? The bikes are all gone. Skills that people can learn. Hey, do you know how to sharpen a knife? No. Well, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to to get the materials, a couple dollars and boom, you can get all of your, your you know, knives sharpened. That's a skill that you can learn. Try it, learn it. So just um, wonderful advice. So wishing you the best. Keep putting out such incredible content. Um, Keep being a value added person. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, people that I know that I've I've made them aware of your content, they very much appreciate that too. So Morgan Rogue was with us here on the Safety Doc Podcast. A shout out to our good friends in Los Angeles, the City of Angels, Los Angeles, the 405media.com. John Grant out of LA syndicating this show five days a week. Um, also the Spark Radio Network out of Pennsylvania. Spark Radio, sparking it up, at least when the power is on. It wasn't for 32 hours where Spark Radio was at, but hey, you can find Spark Radio. SafetyPhD.com, that's where you'll find everything Safety Doc related. Um, and good news here with the Safety Doc, um, there is the, the new book that will be coming out, The Velocity of Information. Uh, very thrilled about that, working on an audio version for that um, also. So The Velocity of Information. So stay safe, everybody. And thank you so much, Morgan. Thank you, everyone. Thanks so much for having me on. Really loved it. Great. I appreciate it. I had a great time, too. This has been the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio show host, and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perotin. Remember to check back each week for the latest, best, and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.